Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. All right, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you brought a Bible with you today, um, we're, we're continuing in this. Now, there's a video for this series, and it's a really outstanding video. Matt, would you show that video before I launch into the message? One of the pieces of advice that I think most of us have heard at one point in our lives is live in the present. Make today the best today that that you can make it. And and even Jesus is knowing for sharing this wisdom. He he told uh, his followers, uh, every day has enough trouble of its own. Live for today. But what we're doing in this series is a little bit more than just that. And it involves something that we all have in common. And that's the idea that we want to ask ourselves, how do I live today to to move toward a greater purpose? To leave, as it said on the FPU video, to leave a legacy for the next generation. I I think whether you're a believer today or not, you may be sitting here uh, not knowing much about Jesus, wondering whether you should really be here. This is something that all of us share. We, we want to live for a greater purpose in life, feel like we're part of a cause and feel like we're leaving something valuable behind us in life. And so we want to live our very best. It's kind of interesting when you think about making a contribution that goes on to the next generation. Uh, Forbes magazine actually did uh, a survey about, they asked, what's the thing that you'd most like to leave to the next generation? And, and as important as the FPU video is and says, you know, you want to have a legacy, a financial legacy, perhaps a, a land or property legacy that you can leave for your children, your grandchildren, 
Actually, when that question, what's the most important thing to leave to the next generation was asked, that ended up dead last on the list. Do you know what was first on the list of the most important thing to leave to the next generation? Values and life lessons. I think that's beautiful because as you think about it, as we go through life and we gain experiences, both from our successes and our failures, we, we learn some pretty valuable life lessons and we adopt values that, that we see will help us go forward in life in a successful way. And, and we don't want our children, as my dad used to say, to learn the hard way. Right, So we want to be able to, to take this legacy that we've built up through our own experiences, our own learnings, and, and pass it on to the next generation. But as we're teaching our children, even as we're learning ourselves to live our lives with confidence and with purpose, one of the things that comes across is, is this question. If God is real... And as Christ followers, we believe that God is very real. There's another important question for us to ask ourselves, and that is not only what is my purpose in life, what contribution can I leave, but what is the contribution that God wants me to leave? What is the the purpose that he wants me to serve? What's God's dream for, for our lives? And that's the question that we, we want to address this morning as we talk about it starts today. Because as we learn more about what God's vision and, and God's dream for our lives today, one of the things we're going to learn is that God doesn't want us to wait. God doesn't want us to hold back and believe that this is something that we can start doing next week or next month or next year. He wants us very much to get this. It starts today. So I want to dive in with you into 1 Corinthians 6. And let's take a look at these verses. If you have your Bible app on your phone, you have a Bible with you, we strongly encourage that. You can also use the crosswalk notes to follow along. I'm going to read the the passage from 2 Corinthians 6, verses 1 and 2. As God's co-workers... We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Now, I want to break that down, and I'm going to start really with just a very short phrase, and I put that short phrase also in your notes. So we're going to go back to the top, and here's what it says. As God's co-workers. That's, that's how Paul starts in this, in this section. So what God tells us very first, like right out of the gate through the Apostle Paul here, is something maybe a little astounding, that you and I are co-workers with God. Now I want you to think about that for a moment, and I want to teach you a little bit of theology, because there's a, a, a part of our walk with God that has nothing to do with us. We are not co-workers with him. And that's the part that leads to our salvation, the forgiveness of our sins. And and in that part, which, which the theology of the Bible calls justification, our being declared right and holy in God's sight, that is completely God's work. 
He does that from A to Z. You and I do not co-work with him on that, contribute to that, cooperate with him on that. That is entirely the work of Jesus Christ, which he accomplished for you and for me by going to the cross, by dying there, shedding his holy precious blood, and being raised from the dead. And in that moment, as Jesus said from the cross, it was finished. It was all done, and he had done it for you and for me. Completely a gift. Once you receive that gift, then we move from what we in theology call justification to sanctification. And, and that is the resulting life that we live to express our gratitude for God, our love for God, our response to this amazing love that God showed us by sending, his, uh, sending us his one and only son. And when the Apostle Paul talks to the Corinthians and says, we are God's co-workers, he's not only talking about himself, Paul, uh, Luke, Silas, Timothy, they were God's co-workers, definitely, but he was also here referencing the Corinthians themselves. And he wants to encourage them here because in the first letter, he's hit them between the eyes pretty hard. There were a lot of issues in this congregation. There were a lot of problems that need, needed to be solved. And, and Paul was very direct in that first epistle, that first letter to them. And now in 2 Corinthians, he comes back and he says, I want you to have some encouragement. And first of all, I want you to understand that now that you have received God's grace and you follow Jesus as your Savior, you are God's co-workers. You are God's co-workers in feeding yourself. You are God's co-workers in being in the word and in the sacrament. And in fact, God himself says very clearly through the apostles, I want you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to become a self-feeder. Know how to get into the word and into the sacraments on your own so your faith grows and thrives. But, as we're going to see in just a moment, Paul is not saying you are God's co-workers only in learning to co-work with him on yourself, but just as importantly, to be God's minister, God's missionary, to walk with Jesus and carry out his great commission, which is go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That also is how we are God's co-workers as we fulfill that great commission Jesus left us. So I want you to look now. We're, we're backing up just a, really a few verses into 2 Corinthians 5. Remember, we started in 2 Corinthians 6. And Paul talks about this co-working in 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. So first of all, Paul says, you've been totally reworked. Purely and entirely as a gift from God, you've been reborn. You are a new creation because of what Jesus did for you. The old's gone. The new is here. And all this is from God. It's his gift to you. It's his greatest gift. We call it the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, who, 
Let me talk, Paul says, about that gospel message. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ, his son, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you see both sides there? He says, God, as a pure gift to you, has removed the barrier that sin created between you and God. Naturally, as we're born into this world, we're not born friends of God. We're not born family of God. We're born enemies of God. But Christ, by shedding his blood for you, did the most amazing thing, the, most great, the greatest act of his love when he took that wall down. Paul calls it the dividing wall of hostility. He, he took it down through his death on the cross and his resurrection. And now we are, as Paul says here, reconciled to God through Christ. But do you notice the last phrase? And I want you to underline this. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Ministry simply means service. Here's how we are to serve. By not only receiving this wonderful gift of reconciliation with God, but by sharing this gift of reconciliation with God through Christ with others. And who gets to be reconciled? Paul says that God was reconciling, help me out here, what does he say? Who's the world? We're the world. That is so important for you to hear. We're the world. Every week, Jonathan stands up here, and as he said, he shares the cross with us. And he tells us, your sins are forgiven. And he assures us, you can make that personal. That forgiveness is yours. How does he know that? It's a pure logical deduction. Because Paul tells us that when Christ died, when he shed his blood, when he rose again, the world was reconciled to him, meaning everyone. The, the whole world ha, has, has been given this gift of forgiveness. And through the gospel, then, we make this forgiveness personal and we become in relationship with God and reconciled to God. And that happens as you and I do this service, this ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And this is so beautiful, not counting people's sins against them. Whatever sin you've committed, whatever you might feel is still there on the ledger, whatever you might still feel, man, I, I just carry some guilt over that, some pain over that because I know what I did. I know the pain I've caused others. I know the, the, the pain and anxiety I've caused God over my life. In Jesus, that's been wiped clean and clear. That sin, that set of sins is forgiven and gone. It's not counted against you. And he has committed, he says it again, he's committed to us this job, this co-working, that we share this message of reconciliation. So what we're really doing here this morning is answering this question, how do we not receive God's grace in an empty, useless, vain way? And by those Simple words, as God's co-workers, the Apostle Paul is suggesting to you, me, part of the answer to, to how we take God's grace and use it every day in our life. We 
work alongside of him, that we have been given an incredible, amazing role to fulfill. So I want you to write that down. God has given us an important role to play in his kingdom. We are his co-workers. And so he says, now that you know this, you're God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Don't receive this ministry in vain, but also don't receive that earlier forgiveness and love in vain. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but it's pretty intriguing that Paul suggests that God's powerful love, God's amazing forgiveness, God's assurance of eternal life through Christ could be simply squandered, received in vain. But you know what? This is really not new to Paul. We we hear the same thing from Jesus. There's a parable that he tells, a parable of the sower and the seed, where some of the seed of the gospel message falls on very hard soil, compacted, because it's on a path. And because the soil is hard, it doesn't sprout and grow. That, that gospel doesn't do anything in those hearts. Then he talks about how some of it falls on rocky soil and, and how initially that heart does spring up with faith and love toward God, but then it, it rapidly withers because the heat of the day beats on the rocks and the, and the faith withers. Some of us have experienced that of having faith and then just going through the, the, the heat of the day in our lives and having our faith shrink and wither. Jesus talks about the seed that falls in the soil that's filled with weeds. And he says, you know what those weeds are? It's the worries and the anxieties of our life. And some of us have experienced that choking of our faith because of the worries and anxieties of our life. Then Jesus finally comes to it and he says, there's only one kind of soil that we would call good soil. And that's the seed, that's the soil in which the seed falls on it, the heart in which the gospel falls on. And it, and it grows and thrives and it produces fruit. You see, that's also what Paul is talking about here is if we are not to receive God's grace in vain, ultimately the gospel is going to come into our hearts and it's going to be effective and productive and it is going to make us ultimately not only recipients, not only consumers of God's grace, but co-workers of God's grace. We, we become people who work alongside of God and what does that look like? 2 Corinthians 5, we're back one chapter earlier. Paul says this, if we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us. See, what Paul says is, I can't help myself. I, I'm compelled from the inside. This is, no one's forcing this on me. But when I think about all that Jesus has done for me, all the forgiveness I've received, all, the, all that that word grace means to me, Paul, I, I really can't imagine doing anything else 
been working alongside of Jesus in my life and fulfilling his dream and his, his purpose for my life. Christ's love compels us. And it compels us because it changes our beliefs. The next thing he says is, because we are convinced. Brothers and sisters, your actions, your priorities, the feelings of your heart come from your beliefs. And Paul says, I approach my life wanting to live for God's purpose and God's vision, and I do it with immense passion and energy and joy. And, and why is that? It's because I'm convinced, absolutely firmly convinced in my mind that Jesus died for all. And that means he died for me. I, I hope you hear that. That your God loves you so much that he could not bear the thought of you living one more day without knowing that your sins are forgiven. He couldn't bear the thought of you not knowing how much you matter to him. He couldn't live with the idea that you would not know how to be with him for eternity. Because in his great love, that's, that's his whole goal. He's building a family. And he wants you to be part of that family. And he wants you to work alongside of him to help others become a part of this family. When you think about God's dream for all of us, it's really, it's the same dream for all of us. God is building a family. That's what it means when he says he's reconciling the world to himself. He's, he's cutting out anything that might separate us from him reconciling us to us, gathering us in his arms, hugging us and saying, now you're my child. And all these other people who are my children, they're your brothers and sisters. I'm building my family. Paul says, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. You see, here Paul says, you've received something. Now the other side is you're gonna give something back that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. We call this gospel motivation. It means that when our hearts just get so filled with God's love and Christ's work, we can't help ourselves just like Paul couldn't help himself. In fact, to those around Paul, what did it look like? Go back to the very first phrase in that passage we just read. What did it look like to others? This man is out of his mind. He's lost his gourd. He is crazy. I don't get him. He's become a Jesus freak. He's gotten religion. And a lot of people couldn't understand. And what this really boils down to is that what drew Paul out onto those incredible missionary journeys and through that incredible hardship that he experienced, what gave him such passion, energy, and joy was him remembering the passion and the energy and the joy Jesus had for him to reclaim his soul. And so his heart's filled with passion, energy, and joy as he co-works with Christ. So I want you to write this down. God has given us an important role to play in his kingdom. We're his co-workers. So God wants us to grip his grace with passion and energy and joy. 
Don't squander the opportunity that you've been given to work alongside of Christ, to show up, and to be part of building God's family. As you think about your purpose in life, it's just really important that we understand that a lot of that purpose really revolves around Christ's kingdom, the church, and there are so many different ways to do that, practical ways. When you came to church today, Someone greeted you with a smile and gave you a handshake on your way in. There was a warm cup of coffee waiting for you. After the service, there will be donuts. There are children's ministry volunteers even now as you sit in here so that you can pay attention to this message and your children can can learn the same message at their own level who serve faithfully every week. Back in the back hallway, we have youth ministry. We have a whole band, over 40 volunteers in our worship team and always looking for more. And what we want you to know is our volunteer positions are not closed off. We love it when you step up to volunteer on the weekend, on a Sunday morning, because in every little way, when you step up to volunteer and help on a ministry team at Crosswalk, You are, through your actions, saying, come into our family. And by coming into our family, come into God's family. And that's God's vision. That's God's dream is to build up his family. So as you sit here today, I want you to think about these words, passion, energy, joy. And understand that that can be carried out sometimes in what might seem to you to be very light, small ways. But understand this, that every role in the family is vitally important. Not everybody's going to be Larry Fitzgerald. You knew I had to mention him. Not everyone's going to be Carson Palmer. Not everyone's going to be Dan Salofra. I mean, it's just, that's the way it is. But you can be a greeter. You can serve coffee. You can hold the baby. You might have the gifts and talents to sing or play an instrument. You might be someone who would raise your hand to move the slides as Matt is doing, and I always make it an adventure for him, I promise you. Because when you put all of those gifts and talents together to serve the Lord, it's amazing what can happen. Let's turn the page. I'm going to be honest with you, you're being given an important role in the building up of God's family is a powerful, powerful motivator for for living with passion, energy, and joy. I, I think any of us know when we're bestowed with an important responsibility, it makes us think, man, I I want to carry this out to the very best of my ability. But there's a far more powerful motivator. And we've touched on it, but we haven't named it by name yet. But look at what Paul says next in verse 2. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I want you to circle the word heard and circle the word helped. When I read this passage, it got me to thinking back to when I was a child and I had the measles. And I still remember the day that I had the measles because my mom stayed home from work She nursed me all day long. She sat by me on the couch. She read books to me. And whenever I I said in my, my little boy hurting voice, Mom, it hurts so much. 
Why does it feel so hot? These bumps itch, all those things. You know what my mom did? She heard me and she helped me. When I think about the beautiful girl, Julie, that I married, and most of you, if you, if you have a partner uh, in your life, uh, uh, someone that you're married to, and, and you're like, why did I choose this person to walk with me through life? It has a ton to do with this person hears me, and this person helps me. You may have brothers and sisters You may have, like I do, a a, a group of friends that you trust and that you lean on and that you can talk to. I was talking to one last night at at 11 p.m. He called me because he wanted to be heard and helped. And I've called him plenty of times because I needed to be heard and helped. Do, Do you know what it means? How important it is that your God says to you, I hear you, and I'm going to help you. When you go through the guilt and the shame of the sins you've committed, the hurt you've caused others, when, when you go through the pain that is inevitably part of life in a fallen world, when your physical health is failing, when your emotions are flying out of control, and, and, and when it feels like, I, I don't know who I can turn to and talk to, God says, turn to me and talk to me. I hear you and I will help you. You're God. The one who created you. The one who redeemed you. The one who counsels and walks alongside of you every day. He hears you and he helps you in his grace. When Paul says, don't receive God's grace in vain, I I, I don't know if we could find a better way to say that or redefine that word grace than to say, our God in love hears us and helps us. That's why he sent his son to be your savior and mine. Because Jesus with his hands nailed to the cross heard us and by dying on the cross helped us. It's amazing. So I want you to write those words in and I want you to remember those words. Take them home. God in his grace has heard and helped us. And Paul says to the Corinthians and to you and me, if you're God, and this is the most powerful motivator, yes, you've been given an amazing uh, position to work alongside of God, but far more powerful than that is what you've received. You have received the good news that your God loves you enough, that you matter enough to him, that he will hear you and help you. So don't squander that ear and the access that you have to the ear of God. Don't waste the opportunity that you have to access God's help in your life. Build yourself up, as the Bible says, in the most holy faith. Grow in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Your faith life is a journey, and and it's going to be a long journey for some of you, and it's going to have its ups, and it's going to have its downs, just like every other journey. But just as Paul is telling us, 
walk that journey of serving others and ministering to others and sharing Christ's reconciliation with others, walk that with passion, energy, and joy. Here's the second vital thing he says to you today. Don't wait. Don't convince yourselves my spiritual health, learning more about Jesus can wait until tomorrow. It can wait until next week. Yes, it's important, but it's not as important as A, B, C, D, and E. Some of you are going through things in life right now, and it's going to be hard to push those back and lower them in priority to to be able to say, I need to address my life with God, my relationship with him, my, my spiritual life. I need to put that as the very highest priority, and it starts today. I want you to write this down. God in his grace has heard and helped us, so he wants us to grab hold of his grace with urgency. Do you see what Paul says? I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. He says it twice for emphasis. Right now. If you're here today, and this is one of your first times here at Crosswalk or first times back to church in a long time, maybe you've never been to church. We love that. Our vision is to be a church for people like you. But I want to strongly encourage you today to make the matter of knowing Jesus, of knowing more about God, an urgent matter. To to listen to what Paul is saying here, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Or to what Isaiah says, very similar thought. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. God wants us all to grab hold of his grace with urgency. And if you are sitting here today and you're not new to Crosswalk, you're a veteran, maybe you've been here many years, maybe you've been here a year or two, I've already said we're on a journey. Don't stop. Keep that journey going. Keep taking one step and then the next step and the next step, firming up and strengthening your faith as God's coworker now in your life of sanctification. Because you want, and and Jesus wants for you, that your faith be firm and strong and steadfast, deep-rooted, Treat it with urgency. You know the phrase, the Latin phrase, carpe diem? Do you know what that means? Anybody? Seize the day. That's what Paul is telling you today. Carpe diem, seize the day. Do this now. And I'm going to give you six very practical ways to do this as we roll through the end of this sermon. We don't have to take a long time to do these. First of all, if you want to take a next step, no matter where, you're on, where you are in your spiritual journey, worship God regularly and re-energize through word and sacrament. Now, I'm just going to tell you as I go through this list of six things, there is one, there is one unifying thought for all six of these. And it is, as you go further on your spiritual walk, you're going to go from being a consumer of faith to a contributor, as Paul calls it, a co-worker. This affects how you worship. 
Many of us, when we come to church on Sunday, we come as consumers. What am I going to get from the message today? What am I going to receive from the music? How is the worship going to build me up? Paul is talking about going from consumer to contributor. You know what that looks like in your heart? It means on Sunday morning, you say, I'm going to church today, and I know I'm going to receive God's grace today, but I am also going to contribute, even if it's just by my presence. Because I know this, that when the church is full, and we're all singing, and praying, and praising God, and listening attentively to the message, that encourages everybody else in the room to do the same thing, and we're all gathering in God's grace together. And so you come with a heart that is not just what am I going to get out of it, but also what am I going to give back to worship today? You become a contributor, not just a consumer. And, and that works its way through all of these. Learn more about Jesus in the class system. We've studied this, and as you go from 101 to 201 to 301 to 401 to 501, that's our class system, your faith will grow because you're going to be bathing in the Word of God. And, and all the vital signs of your faith are going to lift up and, and become stronger. As you go through the class system, as you absorb the gospel, as you walk closer to Jesus, you're going to want to worship more, pray more, be a more generous, helpful, servant-minded person. You just are. We've seen it again and again and again. If that's the kind of person you want to be, step into the class system. Enjoy fellowship through growth groups. Don't do life alone. Too many of us are isolated. Too many of us are trying to do our faith walk and this journey all by ourselves. I can read the Bible on my own. I don't need anyone else. That's a fallacy and it's a lie of the devil. Get into a growth group. And remember, as a contributor in a growth group, you'll not only receive, but you'll give back to the other 12, 15 people gathered in that living room with you. Serve God joyfully on a ministry team. I've already gone through examples. Let me just say this. Practically speaking, if you want to serve God joyfully on a ministry team, we have a little meeting once a month here at this church. It's called Hashtag Church. It's in the hallway back here. Just go out on the patio, watch for the Hashtag Church sign. They will plug you in so that you can serve joyfully on a ministry team here. For, uh, fifthly, give back to God supporting his mission and vision through my offering. I will tell you that as you begin to give back financially to God, you're, you're going to see your faith stretched and tested, but also strengthened. And if you, aren't, if you feel like you're not in a position to be generous toward God, I'm going to re refer you back to Financial Peace University. Go see Tom under the blue tent this morning. Ask him about Financial Peace University. If you're tired of struggling with your finances and you want to be more generous in your life, Financial Peace University. And then finally, a great way to be a contributor is invite others to learn about Jesus here at Crosswalk. Bring your friends, your neighbors, your family members so that they too can learn about this message of reconciliation. Passion, energy, Joy, urgency. Paul says the time is now. It's today. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Let's pray.
Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you sent us in your great grace and love, your son, Jesus. Lord, as our heart is filled with his forgiveness, his mercy, the life that we have, this new life that we are recreated and reborn. We think about all of those things. We, like Paul, are compelled to, to grow our own faith and then to share this message of reconciliation with others. Lord, I pray that for every person in this room, you will move them from becoming simply consumers of your grace to contributors and co-workers. Lord, I pray also that each of us will decide upon a step, maybe just a single step today, that we could take to continue on our journey and have a closer, tighter, more vibrant relationship with you, Jesus. And Lord, we lift up these prayers to you in in the name of our, our holy and our merciful Savior. In his name, amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. Here's what I want you to take home with you today. If you have cares, if you have fears, if you have past, if you have doubts, cast them all aside, put them behind you because you have Jesus now. And because you have Jesus, he not only gives you the solution to all of those things in his bloodshed on the cross, and particularly the solution to your sins, he also invites you to come up alongside of him and work with him to build his family. And that starts today. Carpe diem. Let's do it right now. Let me send you out with the Lord's blessing. Before I do that, I want to remind you, I'll be up here after the service if you want to be prayed with. If you're new here today and would like to meet me, I'd love to meet you for sure. Um, or, if, or if you just have a question about the message, I love questions about the message. Come up, I'll be up here. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great week in the Lord. We'll see you back next week.